Hey everyone, welcome to the Troy Christian High School Chapel Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our Chapel YouTube channel and follow our Chapel Instagram account. Those two places will be the easiest way to check out what's coming up, as well as find some bonus content from our speakers and worship team. Most importantly, I hope the following message challenges and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God as you learn to love God and love others better. Enjoy. They asked me to uh, start off and talk about community a little bit today. And every day we find ourselves in, engaged in some sort of crowd. Not a community, but some kind of crowd. There are lots of kinds, of, there are all kinds of crowds that we hang with. We hang out with uh, uh, TV show binge watching crowds. Uh, we hang out with uh, sports crowds. We hang out with art crowds. We hang out with all kinds of crowds. But those really aren't communities, those are more activities. Crowds are limited because you never get beyond just blurbing. And by blurbing, I mean, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Fine. We're all fine. Everybody's fine. No one's not fine. When you just blurb, you're just fine. Everything's fine. And it results in a, in a type of loneliness. Paul McCartney, who most of you don't even know who that is, but Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, wrote a uh, song that said, All the lonely people... Where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? What we find is we can be in a crowd, but also be very lonely at the same time. So what keeps us from connection? What kinds of things keep us, keeps us from really having community? Well, one thing could be consumerism. We are so obsessed with stuff, having stuff. I got to have my stuff. You got your stuff, I got my stuff, and my stuff is what makes me happy. Only stuff never makes you happy. You just need more stuff. The second is individualism. We have an idea that I don't need anybody's help. I can do this on my own. I'm fine. I don't want to ask for help. It's a sign of weakness. It's kind of a John waning of, of Christianity or, or just saying, you know, it's, it's too weak for me. I'm not that weak. Well, we all are all that weak. Third is inhibitor is uh, this idea of isolationism. We are paralyzed by it, especially in this era of the pandemic, where we are kind of huddled in our homes, huddled in behind our computer screens. Uh, maybe I can push a button and I can talk to somebody, but I don't want to get too close. I'm isolated, and that isolation becomes kind of our own comfort zone. Right? We all know that we need relationships. We have to have relationships. In his uh, book, The Connecting Church, Randy Frazee says that relationships within the church is what truly makes us connect with one another and connect with God. Hebrews 10.25 says that we should not forsake coming together, that we need to come together at times and fellowship with one another. But in these times, it's been very, very difficult through this pandemic period. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, tells a very interesting story. We see the story of a paralytic man who desperately wants to see Jesus for a healing, but he can't get to him. And his friends, his stretcher bearers, who love him, who want what's best for him, what do they do? They actually climb on top of the building that Jesus is teaching in, and they tear off parts of the roof, and they lower the guy down inside the group. 
Christ looks at this group and, and he says, their faith. He talks as a group, their faith. This man knew his struggles. He knew what he was facing, and his friends knew his struggles as well. They knew what he was facing. It wasn't like, well, too bad for you. I'm glad I'm not that way. They had a connection with him. And it's so amazing that when Christ saw them, he noticed their faith together as a group. Let me ask you this question. How many people really know you? How many people here at our school know you? They know when you're hurt. They know when you're feeling down. They know when you're having struggles. They know when you're depressed. They know when you're excited. They know when you're happy. They're your community of friends. They're your group of friends. But they also need to be your stretcher bearers. My wife and I have been doing small groups for nearly 30 years. We have a small group church that meets in our home. And that small group means a lot to us that we can share needs with. We can share joys with, but share sorrows with. There are stretcher bearers. In fact, we need stretcher bearers today. My uh, stepfather-in-law passed away this morning about 3 o'clock with uh, uh, COVID complications. The word went out, and our small group begins to pray. And I can feel those prayers sustaining us, sending texts, saying we're so sorry for your loss. What can we do? We all need that kind of community in our lives. And if we don't pursue those kinds of things, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to take place. Who are your stretcher bearers? We all need stretcher bearers. Is there someone that can come alongside you and can lift you up? Is there a group of people that you can go to and say, man, I need your prayers. I need your assistance. I need your help. These are the people who are in line with you, supporting you. We are not designed to do this all alone. Even Jesus had stretcher bearers. Even Jesus. We see he's saying to his disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane, I need you to stay and pray. Pray with me. Be on watch with me. Christ developed community. Even within the Godhead, even within the Trinity, there's relationship. The Father and the Son, the Son and the Holy Spirit, loving one another, supporting one another, as we need those supports here. Having authentic stretcher bearers community makes our fears and vulnerabilities actually become our strengths. Sharing with one another our concerns, our worries, our fears, and finding that they may have some of those same kind of fears and worries and, and, and vulnerabilities and uplifting one another in prayer. When you're feeling that way, saying, I need help, I need prayer. It also provides this opportunity for ministry. Our small group in our, that meets in our home, we've had opportunities for ministries to reach out to other people. You do that better in a group, not a lone wolf. It also can lead you to some pretty wild adventures within your group. Serving the Lord can take you to a lot of great places, a lot of wild places, a lot of fun adventures, making life more than just sitting at home watching the latest episode of whatever. It gives us guidance in our lives. I can, I can call my small group friends, my small group stretcher bearers, and ask for their advice. And I trust their advice 
because they've gone through experiences. I think it's important for you guys to have people in your life that can give you strong, solid advice. Older adults, people that, that you trust, that you look up to, that you can say, man, I'm going through this. Can you help me? Being vulnerable to ask for that help. And you need to seek out people who have wisdom. Don't seek out people who are just as lost as you are, stumbling around in the dark. Maybe together you can find somebody that got some wisdom and seek them out and ask for advice. And being in a group helps us to be encouraged in looking for God's purpose in our life. Asking your friends, where do you think my talents are? Where do you think God's leading me? God brings people in our lives to assist us, to help us, to push us, to encourage us. The sense of community. Don't be by yourself. He said, well, I can't be friends with everybody. That's true. You can't. But you can be friends and select and uphold and uplift and encourage your groups together, your small groups together. And those small groups together can encourage other groups. Don't be in this by yourself, this thing called Christianity. The Lord never expected us to be, nor does he want us to be. For it's in those stretcher bearer groups that we can find love and encouragement that we so desperately need. Thank you. Keep that image in mind of stretcher bears, uh, because one of the most important lessons I've learned about living into intentional community is bearing your friend's burdens. Uh, in Galatians 6.2, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I think one of the most comforting feelings in life is knowing that you're not in something alone or that you don't have to carry the weight of your problems all by yourself. And I'm sure that I heard this passage in high school and that I probably knew that I should, should be there for my friends, uh, but it didn't really sink in until I experienced this kind of community in college. You see, I have a tendency to be independent, to keep my problems to myself and to try and solve them on my own. I don't find it easy to share difficulties in my life with others, either because I don't want them to think less of me or I just don't want to be seen as a burden. Um, I doubt that I'm alone in this feeling. Really, I think most of us are probably like this. But what has made the difference for me is seeing people be willingly vulnerable with their burdens they carry and others receiving them and continuing to love them despite their flaws despite any emotional baggage they may be carrying. I was part of a club in college, and we intentionally made space for this to occur. We had times where our sole purpose for meeting was just to hear about how people were struggling, what was going on in their life, uh, or just if things were starting to get better. And as people would come into the club and experience this for the first time, I'd hear them share about past abuses they'd suffered emotional trauma, sins they'd been battling for years, and oftentimes I'd see young men break down in tears because they had never told anybody any of this before. We cover things out of shame, out of fear that people won't continue to love us if they know what we've been through or what we're dealing with right now. But the only way to find healing is through confession. You know, I think when we hear Jesus say, you know, take on my yoke because my burden is light. Or when we read in the Psalms, cast all your burdens on the Lord. We assume that we can just keep our problems between us and God. But what we forget is that God works through his people. 
that our brothers and sisters in Christ are an extension of Christ himself, that maybe casting your burdens on the Lord looks like allowing your friends to carry your burdens and for you to do the same in return. One of the greatest parts of community is that when you can't carry the weight of your burdens, others will pick you up. And so I've got a few tips on how we can carry each other. The first one is this. Bearing burdens requires sharing burdens. It's easy for us to be the hero in a situation. I mean, it feels good to be the friend that has it all together, and you're just the one solving problems for everybody else. To try and fix the troubles of others while keeping your own a secret, it feels safe. It's more comfortable because there's no vulnerability on your own part. But to develop trust in a relationship, there has to be reciprocity. It has to go both ways. Right? If you want to bear the burdens of another, then you also have to be willing to share your own, even if that's the more difficult part of it. I mean, why should anybody trust you to love them uh, through their flaws and through their problems if they don't think that you trust them to do the same? Right? If you want others to be vulnerable with you, you need to show them that it's safe through your own vulnerability, which leads to my second point. Space needs to be created for vulnerability. We've said over the past couple of weeks, community doesn't happen on accident. Well, every valuable part of community falls under that as well. Sharing burdens and bearing burdens, it doesn't happen on accident. I mean, think about it for a second. You know it's awkward to just try and bring up whatever problems you're facing in the middle of a conversation. Right? And pretty often, we just don't share our troubles at all because we just couldn't find the right moment or it never seemed like a good time. If we want to, he want to experience the healing admission of our burdens, then we need to make space to do so. Right? That may look like planning a time just to talk about these kinds of things. Or maybe it's just asking the question, like Mr. Royce mentioned, what are you struggling with? It doesn't have to be some big dramatic moment but it's never going to happen without intention. My final point is this. You carry others through prayer and through presence. You see, you can't really carry somebody's burden for them, but you can carry them while they carry their burden. Right? If someone you love has cancer or some other illness, as bad as you may want to, you can't take it from them and carry it yourself. Right? The, the man that was paralyzed, his friends couldn't take that paralyzation into themselves so that he didn't have to suffer it, but they literally carried him while he still carried that burden. And when someone has experienced trauma in their past, you can't take that weight away from them, but you can bear their burden by carrying them. And you can carry them just by being present, by showing up, sitting down, and listening. You can't solve everyone's problems, and most people don't really want you to. They just want someone to be there and to listen, and you can always do that. You can also always pray. But I think what is more powerful than praying for people is praying with people. Right? Sometimes we say, oh, you know, I'll keep you in my thoughts and my prayers, or I'll, I'll go home and I'll pray for you. Uh, but we go off and maybe we forget, or we just never do. Well, there's no need to wait. Right? If you're already present, then just go ahead and pray. So don't waste the opportunity you have in front of you. Seek healing and bring healing by bearing one another's burdens. Thank you. All right, guys, I am so excited. I'm Abby, and I'm a senior here. Most of you probably know that. But today, I am going to talk about the necessity of confronting comparison within the community and social media. 
Comparison prevents us from fully participating in community. So the verses I decided for this passage is, or the passage I decided on was Exodus 32, 1 through 6. So basically to sum it up, um, Moses went on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God, and he left his brother Aaron in charge. So after a while, the Israelites started to get a little nervous because they didn't know what happened to Moses. Obviously, they didn't have cell phones, so they weren't, you know, staying in touch. So they said, Aaron, all the Israelites, Aaron, we need a plan B. We need a false god because we don't know what happened to this Moses, and he probably left us out here to die. So Aaron had them all get their gold rings and jewelry because they came from Egypt, and they melted them and formed them into the shape of a cow. And they worshipped this cow and had this huge festival and drinking and eating and just a huge party. So what necessarily does this have to do with the comparison or our identity? Well, the Israelites wanted the convenience of a physical God they could see and was always there. And when we're insecure, we look to the most convenient source of identity, which would be social media and the people around us. We let the words of insecure, other insecure people define who we are instead of seeking for God's truth. This is because the megaphone of culture and social media will always grab our full attention if we don't listen for God's still small voice. In order to hear God, we have to sit and still our minds, which is so much harder than just looking through social media, scrolling through the thousands of posts every day to try to evaluate, am I good enough? So when we worship the wrong voice, it costs us our peace and the ability to pour into others. So if we are always... Our self-confidence, if it comes from Instagram instead of God, we will never be able to pour into other people. So how has social media captivated the attention of its millions of users? Because they all know we have a weakness, something that makes us feel ashamed of ourselves. And these are called insecurities. Maybe it's your height, your weight, your facial features, your acne, how smart or how athletic you are, and a number of other things. We all have similar thoughts along the lines of, should I be insecure about you fill in the blank? Or does blank make me less valuable? We search for our validation in the opinion of social media to determine whether our insecurities are true or false. If we don't fit into the box social media paints, we don't think we're good enough. And this is how the cycle of comparison can begin. Most of your insecurities are probably a result of comparison. What's something that you weren't insecure about before until you saw that Instagram told you you needed to get rid of it, or your friends said you weren't cool? Comparison begins when we try to figure out where we stand with other people and who's worth the most. It destroys anything beautiful, and it causes us to feel above or below others, which both are wrong. Comparison is also selfish because it implements the mentality of a victim, like asking the questions, why did God make me like this? Why can't I be as good as him or her? As a competitive swimmer, comparison has taught me that my best is not good enough. Lately, I have continued to gain time after doing all the extra practices and workouts while my friends continue to drop. I find myself asking the same questions. God, why did you make me like this? Why can't I be as good as my friends? It's easy to stay in the same mentality of a victim, but we all have to realize that in our own minds, there will always be someone prettier, smarter, funnier, or more athletic than us. 
However, God doesn't hold the same scale. To him, there isn't any scale of value. He created us all so differently because we all have a different purpose. So the insecurities you have are actually put there intentionally for the purpose you were created for. If we are ever going to be able to lift other people up, we have to learn how to anchor ourselves in God's perspective of us. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to help develop a community centered around God's truth and not the lies of the culture. We will never get there if we don't stop obsessing over our own perceived flaws. When we idolize popularity, we ignore the person sitting alone at lunch. Um, if we can't become more confident in our value, we will never reach the people who are desperate for relationships and connection. So... Three ways we can remind ourselves and the others around us of our value are through, I mean, verses. And these are, these are some of my favorite to remind me of my identity. So write them on sticky notes, put them around your mirror, your locker, anywhere you'll see them. Text them to your friends, encourage others with them. And my second point would be prayer. And I know it's classic, you know, Christian advice, like, oh, you're upset, pray about this, anxious, pray about this. But we have to learn to intentionally pray for God's perspective of us. And praying with others is such a huge blessing. There is nothing like taking someone else's burdens and taking it to God with them. And my third point, which is really hard for me to practice, is prioritizing gratitude. And I found the fastest way to choke out uh, comparison is through gratitude. <laughs> So take time to appreciate and write down the good things God has blessed you with. And we can help others see through the lens of gratitude when we practice this ourselves. I mean, simply that our ability to walk and read and write is something we've been blessed with that others don't have. So after our own identity is solidified, we can help others walk through finding theirs, like through sharing verses, praying with them, prioritizing gratitude. And I would love to tell you that this advice has fixed all my problems and insecurities, but it hasn't. There are still days that are really hard and I break down and I doubt what God says about me. But I realize that even though I don't always feel valuable, I can refer to the verses and what God says about me and lift my chin up and realize that I am a daughter of the king and I'm exactly who he wants me to be. So I challenge all of you to stop participating in this cycle of comparison and be confident in your value. Stop obsessing why you aren't good enough and fully embrace the relationships we are to have with others. Reach out to others and embrace the connection and make sure that others feel loved, not just yourself. The only, only then when we practice including everyone and we're confident in our, um, our identity can we impact other individuals, which as a whole makes a stronger community. Thank you. Hi, my name is uh, Roman Bianco. Um, to preface this, uh, I'd like to start out by saying that this was uh, actually, uh, these are real uh, voice, voice memos and, and notes that I uh, wrote down in my journal, um, some song lyrics um, from a real time span of seven months. Uh, it started back in February, and so, um, yeah, I just uh, decided to preface this with that. So I really hope that you can um, get out of it when I'm speaking today, so. February 18th, 2020. Voice memo zero one. It's my first time back recording in 2020. I don't even know where to start. See, I did something. 
And I took a full 180 turn on my life because I had felt like I needed to change. And it's weird because I didn't necessarily hear God speaking to me, telling me to do it, so I don't know why I did it. But I've been struggling with it mentally. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a dream and I zone in and out of reality when I please. I've been praying a lot, hoping to have someone to talk to. I need people around me at this time. March 12th, 2020, journal entry 016. Today's school day was interesting. Tyler Jackson ran into our English class yelling about how Governor DeWine was giving us two weeks off due to this new virus that's surfacing in Ohio. Three cases have emerged now, and it's kind of getting scary. I have a random fear, though. How is quarantine going to be affecting my mental through all this, and will I be okay? April 2nd, 2020. Voice memo, 21. I haven't gotten a text since school got out, but we've been delayed to return yet again. My guess is we're not getting back until next year, but anyways, I feel like I'm hurting now more than ever, and I still haven't gotten a single text asking how I am. My heart hurts more now than it did in February, but it seems people only cared to text me when they knew that I was doing okay. I guess it's easy to take care of someone that is already fine, but hopefully it changes soon. May 21st, 2020. Song lyrics. Song 114. Dear mom, I'm sorry to leave. I love you more than anything. I tried again and again just to make you proud. I'm such a letdown. My favorite memory was you listening to my songs and showing them to everyone, thinking your son was perfect because he followed the sun, but I had just blinded myself on the run. Dad, my own model from 10 all the way to 16, you showed me how to respect and to treat a woman according to all of the guys of her dreams. I couldn't even compete. You picked me up when I'm weak. You taught me integrity in the moments I need, how to get off of my knees and back on my feet. So now I'm putting it all on your shoulders. You are my hero. You are my boulder. I'm sorry I'm a letdown now that I'm older, and this is something that I can't get over. And this goes without even saying, but I love you even when I'm feeling angry. You don't deserve my embarrassments lately. Do you still love me when you see that I'm failing? Dear God, where did you go? I know you see I've lost hope. So what do you need me to do? I'm giving my life to you. All of my faults, all of my brokenness, all of my truths, all of my life I've been searching for you. So show me what's up. Show me my path, say I'm enough, and say you're not mad. Show me my brokenness can still be used. God, I just want you to show me the truth. Where are my friends? They left when I needed them, but I'll take heart because I know the pain you felt, the pain you feel, the pain I dealt, and the pain that you healed. And I know it's not too much for you to handle, but it is too much for me. God, I'm so broken right now, but you're larger than eternity. Silence. The crowd to God started feeling like a dead end. What am I supposed to do when I can't even get a response from the one that loves me most? It was just silence every single time. I went through an entire summer of silence, 92 days without a voice, 2,208 hours of darkness, 132,480 minutes of nothing. And then it hit me. I was asking God, I was, ask, I was asking God for community while not wanting to be in a community with God. I was asking God for love, but not accepting the love God, that God was providing for me. 
I'm always amazed by how little I'm able to see in the midst of a storm. September 16th, 2020, journal entry 54. Today in the hallway, Mr. Brubaker said hi to me. September 25th, Mr. Stoner asked me how I was doing. October 6th, Mr. Jackson talked to me after school while he was waiting for the buses to arrive. I want everyone to know the impact that this had on me. You see, I journaled every, every time someone texted me, spoke to me, called me, FaceTimed me, etc. It means way more than you know. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, I read this verse on October 12th at 3 a.m. in the midst of a struggle. I kept reading the words, For I know the plans I have for you. When I, asked God, when I asked to see God in the midst of a storm, I was really asking for him to bring me out of it. When Mr. Royce asked me to speak on intentional community, I had to remember the struggle of finding one. I had quickly been reminded of the months and the months I went without people. So I could stand here today and tell all of you guys that we are still here. Without telling the men prep team, they decided that intentional community is important among the student body to speak on. And how crazy is it that my struggle from March led to me writing the message at this time right now? So reach out. Reach out to friends, family, strangers, people you once knew because God didn't perfectly design others for us to ignore their presence. I pray that you reach out to those people today. Thank you. Hi guys, so I'm Ainsley, I'm a senior here at TC, and when MinPrep reached out to me to talk about intentional community, I was like, why? <laughs> I felt unqualified to be talking about intentional community when I myself didn't really feel like I had the largest community to be speaking on. If you know me, you know that I'm a relatively busy person, so setting aside time to be with my people is something that I have to really be considerate and cautious about. But this idea I had in my head got me thinking, and I was like, you know what? Who cares if I'm not qualified? Like, God doesn't ask us to be qualified. This qualification that I felt I needed was something that I put on myself, and it's nothing that God would ask of me. I mean, just take a look at the people he used for his disciples. Like, we see those cheesy Facebook or Instagram posts that has, like, a bunch of lists of all the disciples, and it says, Peter had a temper, or Judas betrayed Jesus. But regardless of how cheesy it is, it's true. God used and continues to use the unqualified, the self-centered, and the sinful. So how couldn't he use me? I thought about this more and more because in my head at this point, I decided that I wanted to speak in chapel, but I didn't know what to speak on because I didn't really have a calling anyway. So I tried to think about how I'm currently being intentional and how I've been intentional in the past. And to be entirely honest, right now, I feel like an intentional community is something that I've been lacking. I've helped lead a Bible study before. I've read my Bible in coffee shops with people. I've prayed over people which don't get me wrong, these are all great and awesome things, but 
I typically felt like I was trying too hard, which sounds bad because trying too hard usually has like a bad connotation with it, but none of these things were bad. I began to realize that being intentional is so much simpler than all of these things. The root of intentional community is loving others. When you think about it, who doesn't want to be loved? It's, if, I mean, it feels good. So like, love can be shown to everyone, our small circles, our communities, our families. Think about that. Like, we live in a world where there's so many laws and rules and regulations that we have to follow, yet God gives us the simplest one to love. And luckily for us, loving is relatively simple in the grand scheme of things. God commanded us in the most straightforward way. John 15, 12 to 13 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So what if we just started loving? But then the question becomes, what does this mean for me? I just talked about how simple it is to love, but what about my enemies or the people that you just don't get along with? I mean, everybody struggles with this, face it, we're in high school, so like, there are people you don't get along with. But a friend of mine a couple years ago gave me this piece of advice that I hold really dearly to my heart, and it's to when you meet someone, keep a mental most honorable list about them. This list is more of just like mental notes of all these people, and the people that you love, the people that you find difficult to love, and for each of those people, you have things that you find honorable about them. Are they like super determined or wise or easygoing? The fact is, it's a lot easier to love somebody when there are things that you adore about them, which makes it a little bit simpler to build an intentional community. Loving people, regardless of who they've been, who they are, and who they're becoming, builds an intentional community that honors God. So now we have all of our bases covered. We know like why we should be intentional. We have an idea of how we can be an intentional, but there's one last thing, you just have to do it, which in all honesty is the hardest part. But when you look at it, what's the worst that can happen? Like you get rejected. Maya talked about that last week and we are given the full rundown of that little battle. But you just have to take the leap of faith. Reach out to your peers, your friends, your mentors, your families, neighbors, whoever is willing to listen and to love. Find out more about them and admire them, honor them, and love them just as God has called us to do. When we allow ourselves to love on others, we honor God's will for his people and create intentional and lasting community. God uses you to reach out to people and show his love. You, the unqualified, sinful, inexperienced, and weary one. Thank you.